Do you struggle to find answers to your pelvic health problems? Do you feel silenced in your quest to just feel better? Women, girls, sisters, if you have experienced infertility, PCOS, incontinence, painful periods, sexual trauma, and so much more associated with the pelvis, then Women's Pelvis Wellness is a place for you. Me and experts from around the world are joining here to get you the answers to the holistic health that you have been seeking. Please join us in being a pelvis wellness warrior. Hello, everyone. I want to welcome my special guest, Kelly Noel, here today, and she is going to share with us her expertise about conscious kink and BDSM. I met Kelly through a networking group um, that we are part of, or I am part of, I'm not sure if you joined, but um, it was really interesting because when I heard kink and BDSM, I immediately felt that like feeling in your gut where you are completely not comfortable with this conversation or this topic. So I have really been focusing very much on diving into my own triggers and releasing them so that they don't control me. And I thought, okay, this makes me uncomfortable. I need to talk to her. I need to learn more about this because I know that it's not what it has been portrayed to be and this picture that I have in my mind. So I'm excited to have you here today. So thank you so much for coming. You're very welcome. You're very welcome. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be here and just really grateful and you know, I think this, you know, talking about conscious kink is so important because when a lot of people think of BDSM, they think of Fifty Shades of Grey, they think of, um, you know, there's often a lot of misconceptions or misunderstanding of what, what does this include? What does this entail? And yeah, I mean, it's just, it's not, it, I mean, it's, and it's so about consent and it's so about um, when we're doing it consciously. And I think that's some of the messages that, that people miss or they don't see right. is a lot of what we see in the media around kink or around um, BDSM. Like it's not, um, not exactly how people do it in real life. Sure. Mm -hmm. Well, and I would imagine that there would be a lot of boundaries. So if there's respect mm -hmm. and there's boundaries and you're conscious, that means that you've done the work, the self-love, the worthiness. There's really actually a lot of energy work and beauty that is required for this, not to mention, you know, the wonderful gift of being able to be vulnerable because that mm -hmm. I know right off the bat is my, is that's my problem. Like you think I'm going to give up full control. I don't think so. <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. I mean, you could always elect to be the, the, the domain or the, the yeah. dominant and then, yeah. you know, you'd be the one in control. So that's always a choice. Right. Yeah. I, I definitely feel though, as if that's something that vulnerability issue is definitely something that I'd have to work on. Which is why, you know, I, again, like, ooh, this makes me uncomfortable. I need to dive. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, there's definitely vulnerability that's required with um, kink and BDSM. And I guess before we get any further, it's sure. probably good for me to start explain with a what they are. definition. Yeah, explain yes. it. Because first of all, not everybody's heard of Fifty Shades of Grey. And second of all, you know, um, you know, Fifty Shades of Grey is not um, representative of what's all out there and um, is you know, I just use that because it's, I think it's an example that's well so, sure. yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty mainstream. You know, the, the films and the books both did well, um, For sure. and told well. Um, so it's often what people are most <laughs> familiar with when they, when they hear BDSM, they're like, Oh, 50 shades. Yeah. <laughs> that's one example. Um, so when we're thinking about sexuality, a lot of what's considered okay, and I use air quotes here, okay with sex um, comes from religion. There were, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of repression that took place around sexuality. Um, You know, well, I mean, and there's, there's a couple pieces to that, right? One is, one is that women and female-bodied individuals were treated treated as chattel. They were treated as property for centuries, potentially, you know, arguably millennia. And so. Like the 10 cow wife. Did you ever hear that story of the 10 cow wife? (laughs) No, I have not. Well, I mean, think of the punchline. That's exactly like she was worth 10 cows. Right. Yeah. So yeah, it's just whatever. I digress. Sorry. (laughs) <laughs> no, that's exactly, that's exactly it. And, and so, so I grew up Catholic. I mean, that's where my story Me too. started. Sure. Yeah. And, and I think there's a, there's a lot of messaging that I came in contact with when I was growing up in the church that sex was between a man and a woman who were married. And so you know, being someone who later enjoy it. Yeah. We didn't enjoy it. We can't talk about it. We can't talk about it. Um, It's very dirty. We never do it in public. No, save it for the one that you love because it's the dirtiest act you could do. Well, specifically save it for marriage, you know, and and I have, I have to admit, I've, you know, had a couple people suggest I read theology on the body and I haven't done that. I'm curious if that would shift my perspective at all. But so I can't speak for like, you know, all Catholics, like there may be some Catholics who, who grew, who grow up in a different environment where as long as it's, you know, in marriage that they feel free to explore the messaging. I came into contact with the beliefs that I had and was exposed to and that I internalized was it's, you know, wait till marriage which is, you know, common position in the church, um, between a man and a woman and, um, you know, presumably like missionary, like I didn't, you know, and right. You know I mean? I, I didn't learn about some of them. (laughs) I mean, and missionary is plenty fine. Like, I mean, I like missionary. Um, but there's, but there's so much more out there and there's so much more that um, can be incorporated into. And I, you know, I even like to expand it beyond calling it sex. I call it erotic play when I'm talking about it because 
for some people, when, especially when we're talking about kink and BDSM, sex isn't involved. There are many times where for me, sex is not involved, period. Like I'm not sexually um, connecting with, with my partner. Um, and it still activates a lot of the same body areas because a lot of that trust, a lot of that vulnerability, a lot of that intimacy is still required. Sure. Um, so, when, so when we're talking about kink, um, it, is, it is erotic play, so that can include sexual play, um, that according to, you know, like the church or like these religious structures or um, and kind of our, mainstream culture. Yeah, like mainstream culture, our mainstream culture says it's missionary, lights off, like, right? Yeah. That's it. That's it. That's all that's allowed. So, so kink really is expanding beyond that. And it includes, yeah. So kink is really anything that's non-standard according to that definition. So it includes fetishes. It includes... I mean, it's a pretty wide umbrella, it in, it in, sure. and it includes uh, BDSM as part of that. It also includes voyeurism, which means, you know, being turned on by uh, watching people have sex or engage in erotic play, and mm -hmm. exhibitionism, which is um, being turned on, receiving pleasure from, I mean, from engaging in acts that other people see. Sure. So kink is a pretty wide umbrella. Mm -hmm. um, and then BDSM, it's, it's three different acronyms. So you've got the B and the D, which is bondage and discipline. So when we think of bondage, a couple common examples are handcuffs and blindfolds. Sure. Um, discipline, um, I mean, punishment is sometimes, sometimes given, um, and it can be, you know, really... Uh, a turn on to sure. to be instructed to be um, to be disciplined, and then that middle acronym is the dominance and submission, which I think most people are somewhat familiar with if they've mm -hmm. um, done any reading on this topic. Um, but at, you know, dominance being um, I am directing the scene, I am guiding the scene, I am giving orders. And submission, meaning I am surrendering to the experience. I am often following orders. Um, and then that last acronym is sadism and masochism, or S&M. Sadism is receiving pleasure from causing physical, emotional, psychological pain. All of this is consensual. All, all of this is consensual, by the way. Like yeah. when we're talking about conscious kink, consent is so critical, so important. And I like to bring that up when I'm talking about sadism because I think that can be a word that people are like, oh my God, like that's, that's kind of scary. And yeah. like, you know, um, so I just And it's like not as if, like you don't have to do this people. You don't have right. to do these kinds of things. We're right. sharing everything, you know, the vast, and whatever you and your partner decide is right is what's right. So exactly. Yeah, yes. We're just informing about all of it. And again, you know, I don't know a lot about it, so I'm excited. Great. Great. And then masochism is that other piece. That's the M in S and M and masochism is receiving pleasure 
from, or being turned on from receiving pain. So whether that's physical, emotional, psychological, and that varies for, you know, for everybody. Sure. Um, And then one thing I'll just say is that I think when people hear about kink, they hear about BDSM, they, you know, think about like the dungeon, they think about um, whips and chains. Right. Really intense stuff. And it doesn't have to be that. I mean, you know, I give the example of sadism can be, I'm scratching my partner because I I like using my fingernails on their skin and I I like how they kind of wince and kind of shift. That's sadism. That's just a very mild form of it. Sure. Yeah. Or like, you know, getting your hair pulled. Yes. You know, same thing. Spanked. Yes. Same thing. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And well, what do you, what do you know? Look at look at all the stuff I already know. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Yeah. 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 So, um, so the the really cool thing is that. I guess this, this kind of goes into my story. So like I said, I, I grew up Catholic and so I had no idea that this was out there. I, I mean, Oh, I was so shut down sexually. Um, when I was in high school, I was wearing a purity ring. I was going to Catholic rallies. Oh, me too. Yep. Yep. Um, I was like, I didn't know what masturbation was. I, Anytime I had a thought about sex, especially if it was sex with a, you know, with a woman, um, it was like, I'm a bad person. Like these are lustful thoughts, total, total shame around sex and disconnected from my body, disconnected from my, uh, creativity in certain ways, disconnected from my sexuality. Yeah. Um, and then I left the church in 2012 I came out um, as being bisexual and then later I've come out as being queer and um, transgender. So I use they, them pronouns. Um, and so just explain to some people, if you don't sure. mind, because again, sure. this is for education. Sure. What is the difference between, well, you said bi, I mean, I understand what bi yeah. is. Yeah. What is the, what, what's queer and sure. gay? Yeah, yeah. So, so I think a lot of people um, have heard of the acronym LGBTQ. Sure. Or LGBTQ plus. It's usually um, so L is for lesbian, G is for gay, B is for bisexual, T is for transgender, and Q is for queer and questioning. Queer is a catch-all. Um, queer used to be, and for for older generations, it sometimes is still um, a word that can be offensive. It was um, a slur, sure. you know, saying, you know, because queer means odd. That's where it came from. Right. And <laughs> that's quite a broad, you know, you're <laughs> odd. Well, 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 the thing is, though, that um, younger generations, so millennials are a greater example, are reclaiming that term. Mm -hmm. because um, there's a lot of healing power in that. And so in academia, it's actually referred to as queer theory instead of gay theory, because gay just refers to um, people who typically are explicitly and only um, attracted to people of another gender. 
So like we think of, uh, you know, one example might be um, a gay man who experiences no attraction for, uh, for women and uh, no attraction for gender nonconforming folks. So um, queer is that catch-all. And um, so I identify as queer. Um, and then as far as transgender, um, it just means that I don't identify with the, um, sex that I was assigned at birth. So I was assigned female at birth and I identify as being a non-binary person. I identify as being neither exclusively male nor female, man nor woman. I'm in the middle. So even though looking at me, people would say, oh, she's a woman, you know, um, I, 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 that's not how I, that's not how yeah. I see myself. Sure. Yeah. And so I use they pronouns because that feels more authentic to me. And I, you know, it just, and, and it's something that I've been my whole life. It's just right. that much like the bisexuality piece where I was judging myself and I felt like this isn't okay. And, um, it just wasn't something that we had language for, you know, 15 years ago. Well, and people were not talking about it. Right. They were not talking about it. Right. Right. Well, yeah. And, and not even that it was wrong. It's just that it was so different from what people knew and understood. And, um, and there's been a lot of boxes that people have been put into with gender and sexuality. And this is just, you know, this is just another example. And so for me coming out as being non-binary coming out as being transgender has been really, um, it's been an interesting experience. It's also been really healing because it gives me the freedom to, to say this is this is how I want to be and this is how I identify and this is me. Um, like I said, though, it's it's something that has always been part of part of my experience because I I remember when I was like ten or eleven, I told my dad I said I feel like in my brain there is a male part and there is a female part, <laughs> like there there is a part of my brain that is male, and I verbalized that to him as I was still in elementary school, and so then as I was identifying as gender fluid and, you know, then non-binary, I came back to that and I realized like, I've always been this way. It's just that I wasn't out about it because, and I didn't know it was something to be out about. Right. I just, right. Yeah. And, but well, since and now I, we since have I, all these terms too. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's just been, so for me, that's been incredibly healing. Um, and that was something that I don't think I would have explored and I don't think I would have come out while I like, while I was still Catholic. Um, because I mean, that was so pushed down. Like I identified as being an ally, like (laughs) an LGBTQ ally. I was like, Nope, I'm not part of the community. I just have friends who are. And then a couple of years later, I'm like, Oh wait, I think I might be (laughs) bisexual. Um, so, so, so leaving the church was like really, crucial for me to reclaim my authentic, my authentic self and to love myself and to explore sex and sexuality and gender. 
Yeah. Well, and thank you so much for um, being so open and sharing your story about all of that. It's um, because I just don't think that everybody, including myself, understands what all of that stuff means. So it's good to learn about new things. Um, and yeah, you can definitely see how that fluidly translates into, you know, what you do with uh, Conscious Kink and BDSM. And I was telling, I was talking to Kelly Noel before we started recording and I said, doing this type of um, erotic play really almost commands a lot of inner self work because you have mm -hmm. to be confident and you have to love yourself and you know know that you're worthy and be able to be um, to be strong enough to be vulnerable because I think that that is for me I mean obviously something that really sticks out for me because obviously that's what I have to work on so it's just it really is you know could could be a wonderful part of a healing journey but again you don't yeah. have to do any of it <laughs> yeah to your partner that's the biggest thing I always find it so interesting that we can't talk about doing the acts, but we can do the acts. Yeah. You know? Yep. Yep. And, and that's something that as I started exploring kink myself, um, that I, I did a lot of, I was like, I want to do this thing, but I don't know how to talk about it because I never learned how to talk about it. And so I, you know, I didn't listen to my body and I ignored my boundaries and I set myself in, I, I put myself in situations that, um, like if my mother were to know about, know about them, she'd be like, you did what? Yeah, right. Um, so <laughs> don't anyone tell her. Right. Um, but you know, and, and, and I learned through practice and, and really where I learned the most was when I started going to public events because that's where there's a lot of structure and they talk openly and explicitly about consent and there's so much structure and everyone like i agree to follow certain rules to be in this space and so i learn oh these are the things that i can bring back into playing with my partner or just playing by myself or just engaging with others so i learned so much more about boundaries and consent and accepting my body and loving myself through kink and being part of the kink community than, um, I mean, really prior. And I'd been doing spiritual work for, oh, I want to say like, because I, I started doing Reiki at the end of 2016 and I started going to kink events at the beginning of 2018. So I'd been doing Reiki for a, a solid year. Mm -hmm. And had been doing healing around sex, I mean, since like 2014. And, you know, and so, so yet in the last two and a half years, I've almost three years now, um, I've healed so much more because I've had these tools that just allowed me to feel safe and explore things that I never would have. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, we just, we, it's so strange because I feel like we get so many mixed signals in just general media and you know, whatever 
Um, you know, it's like we should have awesome bodies, but we shouldn't enjoy them. And, you know, we should be, I don't know, there's just all of these specific ways that we should be, but we shouldn't like ourselves. You know, we shouldn't, we shouldn't enjoy it, but we should make sure that the partner enjoys it. It just seems so strange. And um, I think that I even said this to you the very first time that we talked um, that like the two things that ruin sex is religion and porn. <laughs> <You know? laughs> because they're both like, you know, they're both in a way like lies and fake, you know? Um, so we have these pictures in our mind of what it's supposed to look like or, or, you know, talking to our friends and what really it boils down to is, you know, you and your partner have to have an open conversation. Yeah. You are the only two who are going to be able to decide what's right for you. And none of that has to be explained to anyone else. Yeah. Yeah. I, th I think your, your point um, is definitely true in a lot of cases. You know, I think there's a lot of, a lot of religions, you know, Catholicism among them <laughs> where um, communicating openly about sex is just not demonstrated. And so the message that people get is like, can't talk about sex. And then in a lot of mainstream porn, um, we see consent, open consent violations where, you know, it's not consensual. People aren't talking about sex. So we don't see them saying, hey, this is what I want to try. This right. is why I want to try it. Like, are you game for that? Is that a hell yes for you? We don't right. see that in mainstream porn. There are, you know, ethical kinds of porn um, that where that's illustrated. And I think those can be sure. empowering for certain folks. I think a lot of, I think mainstream porn by and large though, um, does have a deleterious effect on people's sex lives sure. and it can really affect a lot of relationships for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just a conversation that, you know, people need to have more of you know, because <laughs> Um, it's like you say, it's just not a conversation that we have when it comes to, you know, certainly women, but just really everybody. So it's, it's interesting um, because obviously even in, you know, families where they do talk openly about sex, they usually don't, they certainly don't use the terms kink and BDSM. You know, they, nope. they certainly are not going to nope. talk about that to their 14 and 16 year old kids when they're, you know, teaching them how to be safe. And everything, so. Yeah. Yeah. In, in most families, abs absolutely not. You know, I, I, I do have, I do have a contact in my life. Um, and I thought this was wonderful. They, they have, um, they have a child that just came of age and, um, like my impression is they're speaking openly about these things, but that, you know, and that person's also part of the community though. They're part, they already practice kink and BDSM. So for them, like talking about it is, is, uh, you know, it's different than like most people. Cause sure. there's like this, like, well, is that okay for me to talk about? How do I talk about this? Like, or they're not even doing it. And how can I speak to something and educate my kid on something if it's not something I've explored or I've done. Oh, for sure. Yeah. 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 Um, 
Yeah. So I think, you know, consent is so important. I think that's the piece that is really missing in a lot of the conversations. And, you know, it's something that I remember hearing, I think for the first time really on my college campus freshman year. And even then I still really didn't understand what it meant. And I didn't understand that it meant listening to my body and all parts of my body and all parts of me to make sure that I was a yes. And and creating that space for the other person without coercion, without pressure, without asking multiple times, hoping for a different answer. Right. Yes. You know, we don't talk about those nuances with consent in And um, then in sometimes you just do it so they'll leave you alone. Right, exactly. And that's that's a consent violation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and, well, and so that's, yeah. Yeah. And I was also just going to say, you know, when then, you know, when you come from a background of, you know, possible, you know, molestation, sexual assault, rape of some sort, um, you know, any of those instances, that is obviously a complete violation of you, you know, Mm -hmm. physically, emotionally, energetically, all of the things. So to do the healing you know, in your pelvic region, in those first three chakras, really sending a lot of love into that area is so, so important. And again, it's not that you ever have to do any of these things, but to be able to have the conversation and to think about it without feeling any judgment or shame or anything around it is so healthy, you know? Yeah. And, and one thing just to dovetail off that, Amy, is that, you know, when I work with clients who have really deep trauma, like the incest, the rape, the um, molestation, um, you know, sometimes even religious trauma can be really intense. Like when we're talking about purity culture and, you know, people who grew up in fundamentalist, um, you know, churches or, or whatnot. Um, kink is not where we start, um, because it's, it it can be frightening and it's, it's not where we start most, you know, um, we start with coaching, we start with talking about it and we start with bringing them back to the body, which is very similar to the work that you do. Um, especially, you know, with the Reiki infusion, I mean, that's, it's about bringing, bringing people into their bodies. And if, if they're not there, then they're not going to know what their body is telling them. And so then when it comes to kink, they're, they're, they might have challenges doing it consciously because they're not clear their body, if their body is saying yes or no, or they're, if their body is saying no, they might not listen. Right. Yeah. You know, as you were talking, I just had this thought that, you know, Oh my gosh, I just sound so Wisconsin right there. You know, <laughs> um, I find it so crazy that in these, you know, you know, the religious sects that kind of believe in the whole no sex till marriage thing, which are a lot of them, um, they tell us not to, that it's a sin, that it's bad, but they don't give us the tools to not do it. Right. You know, they, they give you no tools. So what do you expect? And then you go out and you do something and hopefully you enjoy it. Maybe you didn't, but either way you feel like shit and you are so ashamed, 
You know, yeah. it's like if you want that of your child and it can be done and there's nothing wrong with doing that, but give them the tools to at least, you know, if that's their goal, help them along, you know, and then be respectful if they change, if they don't want what, what you want. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's part, that's a big part of the issue and that, that like not just kink. I think that's a big part of the issue when it comes to really accepting LGBTQ kids as right. well. Yeah. I mean, queer, queer kids, queer teens, um, they're kicked out of their homes at a much higher rate. I don't have statistics right in front of me. Um, but I mean, it's, it's really saddening. And a lot of that comes from, um, religious bias that it's according, according to the Bible, according to the church, it's not okay to be gay. It's not okay to be bisexual. It's not okay to be transgender. And so they're, they're kicked out of their homes. And, and I think that goes back to what you're saying of like, even if they're wanting something different, like just let them live, just let them be just if, if it's not, as long as it's consensual, as long, you know, if, if it's like erotic play and, um, and they're making their decisions from an informed, clear-headed space, then, you know, I'd like to see a world where we can just let each other be and let each other live. Right. No, I agree. Because again, it's between you and your partner. It's not yeah. anyone else. You're not affecting anyone else. Mm -hmm. That's what I used to always tell, you know, some friends and family. My life choices are not going to affect your salvation. So just step off and don't worry so dang much. You know, like you're good. You're good. You're going right to the pearly gates. You're fine. Don't don't worry so much about me. Yeah, I like that. My life choices will not affect your salvation. Yeah. That's so good. So good. I love it. <laughs> well, you can use it. You're welcome. <laughs> I will, I will attribute it to Amy yeah. Lee. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's just, I don't know why they, they just like, just, we should all just focus more inward, more on us. Because again, you know, it's not just about salvation. It's about anything in life, you know? Mm -hmm. Your neighbor's grass, if they decide not to cut it, that's not going to affect your lawn. You don't have to <laughs> right. it's stupid. Yeah, yeah. And you know, just little, little things like that, you know? I yeah, mean, yeah. And, and that, you know, that, that, I mean, and that's why self-work is so important. That's why healing um, is so important because it's when I do that healing work that I let go of that judgment and I realize, Oh, this doesn't affect me. I can just kind of let it be. It's not my, mm -hmm. it's not my problem. It's not my problem. Yeah. And, and, um, and you know, I, I, I think we're starting to see more of that around sex and sexuality and, and gender um, expression and gender identity. And, you know, I think that's going to keep continuing. I think that, you know, we're, we've seen a lot of people working on themselves, a lot of people, um, 
really ascending with their their consciousness and i i think that's just going to keep continuing as as we advance as a culture and i'm really grateful about that really excited about that because i think having say having shame and guilt around sex is one of the things that contributes to a lot of the um you know behaviors that we see that that don't work well this has been a super interesting conversation i really appreciate did before um are there any last things that you'd like to say before you tell everybody how to contact you and how they can find you oh um just that consent is so important and if you are having conversations with your partners or even if you're exploring with yourself um to just make sure that all parts of you are on board, you know, that it's a full bodied, enthusiastic. Yes. And because I think that's, that's a piece that is often missing from the conversation. So just when you're, when you're talking about like, I want to explore this, I want to explore this, or you're engaging in solo play and it's like, I'm going to do this. Like do all parts of you want to do that? If not, then maybe do something else. Right. Right. Be present in your body. I think a lot of times we're not in our bodies when we're doing mm-hmm. those acts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So wonderful. So how can everyone find you and get a hold of you? Yeah. So you can find me on my website. That's um, er- the erotic empowerment website. That's empowered E M P O W E R E D erotic E R O T I C.com. You can also join our free Facebook group. That's the Sexy Spiritual Badasses. Um, so yeah, I I don't know how I came across that topic or that like that title, that name, but it just it just stuck, and I really love it. Um, you can also find um, those are the two main ways. And so if you're wanting to connect via email, you can reach out to our team at hello, that's H-E-L-L-O, at empowerederotic.com. And the, like I said, the website, the Facebook group, those are the biggest ways to, to, to find us. Um, I'm planning to post more on Instagram eventually, and uh, my handle there is empoweredevotic as well. Nice. Well, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's been a pleasure being on. Thank you for having me, Amy. You're very welcome. Thank you for joining me today on Women's Pelvis Wellness, where you can be heard. Because remember, if you're not being heard, you're not being helped. Please join my Facebook group by the same name, Women's Pelvis Wellness, and join a community of women who are there for you to support you, guide you, and love you through your pelvic health struggles. Also, this is a great place to check out my new class schedule. Thank you for joining me in becoming a pelvis wellness warrior.